Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. And believe it or not, we are here. It is training camp week. By the end of this week, Penn State football players will be playing football. Uh, a long-awaited point. I know many of you are, are really not wanting to let go of the summer, especially maybe you in the teaching profession or have to get back to school. But for those in this industry, it's always a great time of year to turn that corner. And uh, Sean, uh, I know you hate to send the boys back to school soon, but it comes with the territory and football will be here and we'll shift that mindset. But Saturday we'll be back in Beaver Stadium. We'll get a chance to talk to a ton of players. James Franklin will be at the podium. All three coordinators will be at the podium. And the time for hyperbole, who am I kidding? It never ends, but it starts to end just a little bit more and we get some more fact-based reporting coming up here out of Penn State football. What are you talking about? The hyperbole <laughs> never ends. Um, and by the way, I'm slightly looking forward to sending the boys back to school more than I have in the past when they haven't been home. So we'll get through this and we'll get to practice media days on Saturday, uh, but we'll get into the, the flow of things. But yeah, it's almost football season. We're pretty pretty pumped about that around here. Um, yeah, media day is what it is. You get a lot of the, the canned answers. You get some good stuff because you can get players one-on-one. And I know there's something you like to do is you find the players that you know, you're know you not running to, uh, probably not going to run to Sean Clifford. I mean, obviously you have to interview Sean Clifford, but you're not going to run to Clifford. You're not going to run to these guys that you've been talking to for years. You're going to talk to some of the younger guys, see where they fit in because maybe they're not quite trained on what to say for everything. So you get some good stuff from those guys. But Started out with some news. I said on the last podcast, Joseph Darkwa, the defensive tackle from Germany, would be in over the weekend. Uh, all his visa stuff has been cleared up. He did not make it in over the weekend, but he just texted me before we came on air. He should be here tomorrow, which we're recording on Tuesday, so he should be here on Wednesday. Just a matter of getting that flight over the Atlantic and getting everything uh, squared away, and he should be moved in, and that'll make it everybody for the uh, 2019 class. Everybody will be here. Um, it's pretty remarkable when you think about the last couple of years. Not a lot of academic casualties. Of course, there have been guys that have, have not made it. Um, medical issues mostly. Uh, last year, of course, you had Jordan Minor and Nana Asidu. But for, for the most part, Penn State's been honestly just off the charts in terms of getting their guys into school and, and, and getting on with it. Yeah, Damian Barber is the one guy that, since I've been covering the team, was delayed a bit because of the academic reasons. But yeah, so it turns out it's a little bit of a hassle getting from Dusseldorf to State College. But but he'll make he'll make it here for camp. And you know this is a guy that you know don't want to go too far down breaking him down. But but Brian Doan said something interesting about the philosophy with recruiting players from Europe. And you know if you're gonna miss miss big and at six foot five, two hundred ninety pounds, the kind of athleticism we've seen on film and Penn State coaches have seen in person. Really a fascinating, you know, last guy to get there with this freshman class. And, and Sean, we've talked about a lot of the stockpile that, that Sean Spencer has put together on the defensive front. He is yet another name in there. And, um, it will be really interesting to see how he progresses because this is just, uh, it's an interesting thing when you talk about James Franklin and his staff getting on an international flight, spending time in Germany, visiting a guy who's pretty soon going to be here in central Pennsylvania. Big culture shift, uh, but they've proven they they will go out and and at least explore those options. And if they hit a home run here and and things turn out good for both parties, you better believe that's going to open the door for for potential more impact guys coming over from Europe or at least taking a longer look uh, at, at what Joseph Darqua will be able to maybe do here in Happy Valley. First off with Darko, I mean, you take a look at the, the the guys they've brought in as defensive tackles late, Corey Bolds, Brennan Thrift, just not a lot of athleticism, size, anything like that. It's just kind of a flyer at the end. Dark was kind of a different guy. He's, he's on the flip side. I mean, you don't you don't know what he's going to bring to you on the football field, but he's got the athleticism and the size. I mean, yeah, that's a guy you take a chance on, in my opinion. So like this pickup better than those guys. No offense to those guys, but you're bringing Darkwa into a room where he's got time to learn. There's a lot of bodies in that defensive tackle room. You get an opportunity to, to develop 
develop him under Sean Spencer, and maybe you know maybe he comes in he's a little further along than you uh, than you thought, and you've got something there, and you can play him uh, in, in two years. But uh, I mean, going back to the Europe thing, they're, they're of course very close with Brandon Collier, who played for Sean Spencer at UMass. Collier just had a uh, a quarterback commit to TCU, a 2021 quarterback commit to TCU, Alexander Honing, who commit or excuse me, who camped at Penn State earlier this summer. Very athletic kid, did like a 10-7 broad, a big uh, big vert. Um, re- looked really athletic. Penn State actually had him run routes as a tight end while he was here for camp. But you know, this European influence keeps uh, coming into to American football. Different kind of athlete. We saw Max, Max Maximilian Mang uh, worked out at offensive tackle. He's a another one of those uh, uh, PPI recruits kids. Worked out at offensive tackle at, at camp on Friday night. Moves very well. Of course, doesn't know the position at all. He came and worked as a tight end earlier this summer. But it's really interesting to see these guys come in. Legitimate athletes. We'll see what they are for football players. And Darkwa is kind of the poster boy for that. And I love seeing football go global. I love seeing football recruiting go glo- global. We know how many opportunities it's created for young American talent over the past decades. Guys going to get college educations that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And I think it's a great thing to see that go international. And Sean, this Friday, Penn State will be back on the practice field, uh, commencing their preseason camp. Last Friday was the final prospect camp. It also kicked off a, a significant weekend, as we reported at length on Lions 24-7, with Lash Bash on Saturday, a bunch of guys, a bunch of commits as well, getting into town on Friday. Um, no commits coming out of the weekend, uh, which isn't necessarily surprising. A few offers, which we'll get to. Um, but clearly, the takeaway from this is the commits got an opportunity, to, to, and it was important for them. I've been talking about it on the podcast, but speaking with a few of them, they really wanted to put faces to names, get to know these guys that they're going to be counting on and going to battle with and going through tough times with uh, in the next few years at, on a college campus. That was checked off the list. And then I think they felt really good talking to guys like Nick Dawkins and Curtis Jacobs about what they were able to accomplish, getting in the ears of some of these targets, 2020 guys, 2021, even down to the 22 class. Seems like there was genuinely good vibes, which is never a surprise. Steve Wiltfong, national reporter, uh, national recruiting director, I should say, here at 24-7 Sports, uh, broke things down in a VIP story on the site right now. He'll also join us for a conversation a little bit later in this podcast. So, Sean, no additions to the recruiting class, but I think you probably like where the momentum is headed at this stage of the cycle for Penn State. 20 commits right now, of course, that they've got space to work with, and 13 of them were on campus. Probably a number you probably would have liked to have seen 15, but but a guy like R.J. Adams was back on campus. He's been popping up at other spots, and you get uh, you get these guys around them. I mean, Dawkins and, and Jacobs, the two that you mentioned, have kind of moved to the forefront of being the recruiters in this class, and Dawkins especially has been very vocal and I think kind of points everybody in the right direction in terms of, hey, let's go get this kid. Let's go let's go get Theo Johnson. Let's go Ibrahim uh, uh, Traore was a guy that got offered on at camp on Friday night. They're all over him already. So the, it, to get a chance to get in there, to see these guys, to maybe not put a name with a face because they've been around each other, but the more they time to, the more time they can spend together, the better off uh, everybody will be. And, and going into camp, one guy that stood out to me, I spent a lot of time watching the offensive linemen because I wanted to see Nick Dawkins, who, by the way, has been a guy who is more than willing to, to show what he's about on the football field. I believe by our count, four camps, Sean, that he's shown up to and worked out at. He was the only commit who was on the field actually going through drills. A few other guys, Cole Brevard, RJ Adams, uh, among others, uh, Bryce Mostella, were, were kind of watching and, and, and tagging along with, with their assistant coaches, their future positional rooms. Um, but, but someone who did compete and stood out uh, alongside Nick Dawkins with that offensive line group was Ibrahim Traore and he comes away with an offer uh, a guy who was built like an offensive tackle that's where they had him they had him at left tackle during one-on-one drills 
And I'm telling you, they loaded him up late, Sean. I was like, man, he's got a lot of reps. And they just kept coming and coming with like 10 seconds in between. I think they were just checking his mental makeup, checking his physical ability. And and I think he lost one rep out of about eight to nine that were really sequential. Penn State staff, Franklin was over there for a while uh, checking in on him. A lot of eyes on him and, and, and for, for the right reasons. And I was... Zero surprise to see that he has a scholarship offer in hand coming off of that performance. Uh, what is he? Six foot five, two ninety. I think he checked it. Maybe pushing six foot six. But this is a tackle. I know a lot of Nittany Lions fans have said, "What's with the guards?" and "What's with the guards who could be tackles?" This guy's an offensive tackle, and with an offer, I know you wrote it up today. Uh, you felt confident enough to, to suggest that he's going to end up in Penn State with a crystal ball pick. Yeah, I put uh, put Treori down for a crystal ball for Penn State. There's a kid that wants to end up in the Big Ten. Uh, he's got a bunch of offers out there. Not a ton of big, I think four or five Big Ten offers now. Uh, he also has Tennessee and West Virginia and uh, t- a couple other schools are in there. But yeah, I mean, Penn State, I mean, you look at the you look at how the, the, the logic plays out here. I mean, this is a New York kid. He's been to campus before on an unofficial visit. They had him come camp. They, as you mentioned, loaded him up. That was his audition. All of a sudden, turns around, they offer him. He stays for the lash bash, gets a chance to hang out with Dawkins and some of his other uh, Penn State commits. And, you know, I think it adds up pretty pretty well for Penn State. I haven't actually talked to him in person, but just from uh, being around those people, I think it's a a logical fit for this class. I agree with you. He's a tackle. I list him at 6'4 and a half. I don't think he's quite... Uh, over 6'5", or close to 6'6", 6'4 295. He's got uh, tackle length. He can go with that. So um, I like what I saw, I didn't watch him as much as you did, but I like what I saw out of him uh, the, the other night and certainly earned that offer. And he's somebody that, that, you know, by Monday is posting a few pictures of him in a Penn State uniform. And you just think what a potential, you know, recruit shifting weekend this may have been for Traore coming to campus, earning the offer, sticking around, getting to know the commits, getting to know the coaching staff, getting to know the commits, parents. All of a sudden, he's he's really kind of ingrained uh, among this group, and uh, yeah, we'll see where he wants to take this. I think it is interesting because De- Devin Willock is the guy out of New Jersey that that we've been talking about as a, as the potential addition on the offensive line. Different body makeup. He, he's you know 350 pounds maybe plus right now. Uh, a, a guy who's got Georgia offer and, and someone who delayed a, a commitment because Penn State offered and, and general interest grew. But he's going to be deciding soon. He did not compete at practice on Friday. Uh, I don't know necessarily you know, what to make of that when guys opt not to and they just come and enjoy their time on campus. Uh, but I think you know, when I look at these two, I had a chance to watch film on both. Personally, based on what Penn State needs and, and based on what I see in terms of where these guys could be three, four years down the line, I'm more inclined to, to go with Traore, and, and you know, even as a New Jersey guy myself, now I think these are two nice options. Uh, but to me, Traore would be a prioritized uh, uh, target at this point in my on my board, on my fictitious board. On your fictitious board. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that because, I mean, that's, that's a reclamation project right there. It's 6'7", close to 360 is Willock. And, you know, Georgia likes what they've seen from him. I think Georgia's in position to get a couple of guys from down south that they, they think they're in good. I think they just got one, actually, uh, yesterday. So that kind of uh, takes their their uh, angle down. I believe he went down to camp at Georgia Tech or went to visit Georgia Tech on Friday, which is why he didn't work out at Penn State. Really interesting decision because this is one. I mean, this is one when he was offered. We said, not sure that that that's going to be his decision on July fifth, but they want to see him camp. They want to see what he can do. And that didn't happen. So he's probably going to have to wait for some senior film to come out to see where that kind of stands from from Penn State's uh, from Penn State's angle on that. So putting those guys side by side. Uh, I like Trey Ori. I think he's got some some potential. They're both raw guys, so you're not sure how they're going to look a couple of years from now. Willock, more of a reclamation project, uh, just tear him down and build him back up. 
Sean, I'll set you up for this next one because, you know, we wrote a lot about uh, football and, and, and time with spent with coaches and, and time spent on the field at Happy Valley from experiences this week. You had a guy who was really impressed by the cows uh, in Happy Valley, came away, uh, an eye-opening experience for a Florida kid. I'll let you take it from here. That was a first. I've been doing this since 2006, and I was talking uh, talking to a prospect on, <laughs> I guess it was Saturday because he didn't stay for the... Uh, uh, he didn't stay for the lash bash. Nick Elksness out of Jacksonville, who plays for Mark Brunel down at Episcopal at Jacksonville. But it, it was just one of those things where I said, what, sta- what stood out the most? He's like, there's a lot of cows on campus and they get all, you know, all the football team gets their milk from these cows. And I'm like, okay, cool, man. Um, so I asked if that's a positive and he said, yes, apparently he's an outdoors kid. He's, uh, you know, he's not, uh, from, from downtown Jacksonville or anything like that. So he's an outdoors guy. He thought that was pretty cool. I think he's looking for more of a laid back setup. And I tell you what, he came to camp the other night and he just blew, blew the doors off. He's a three-star prospect by 24, seven sports, uh, ran in the four sixes. He's got legit size, probably six, five and a half, close to six, six. Uh, he can run, he can catch, and he can make uh, other high school players look pretty insignificant when he's camping up against them. So uh, I think that's a, a really, uh, it's a name you got to put away just because, you know, he's tremendously impressed by Penn State. I think they made a very big impression this weekend. It, Tyler Bowen's the guy on this one. And this is something that, that, that Elksness said to me is he thought Tyler Bowen was a guy that he would want to play for. Then he came up, he worked out with him, he put him through the drills. Bowen, you know, kind of put the screws to him a couple of times, you know, sort of correcting his work. And he said, not everybody's going to do that. If you get him in camp, you know, a lot of coaches will just come through and, you know, tell you you're doing great or, or say you look awesome and everything like that. Bowen didn't do that. He really was impressed by that and really impressed by Tyler Bowen. So I think Penn State made a huge leap with Elks next to this weekend. Um, and I can see him coming back. He's told me he's going to be back for the whiteout. So, uh, uh, certainly positive news coming out of a different area of Florida that we've, than, than we've been used to seeing with Jay Wan Sider. Yeah, what stood out reading your story and his comments on Bowen is, you know, Bowen right now and Penn State, their brand at the tight end position with Mike Kosicki and, and, and even those before him. And of course, now Pat Fryermuth as a freshman All-American, they have the ability to say, hey, we know you have options to go to a lot of different schools this weekend, probably. We know everybody's trying to fit this last weekend in July in on their schedule Give us a chance. Come up here. Tyler Bowen can make that case and and get a guy on campus, and not a lot of schools can. So I, I also was very impressed by him. He stood out, you know, even just you know, kind of on the peripheral. As I was over there on the offensive line, I saw him get a few reps where he just was clearly a guy who was on a different level than a lot of those tight ends, and pretty much all of those tight ends that were working over there. Um, now, interesting at quarterback, someone who you know from start to finish on Friday night was very good and. You know, right off the bat, walking on the field looked good. Braden Davis, uh, six foot four, 190 plus pound, uh, rising sophomore out of Middletown High School in Delaware. Uh, now, this is a guy who's from the same school as Chris Godwin, a f- former Penn State star, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's a very compelling prospect. Not a lot of varsity reps to his point. Everyone's expecting a breakout sophomore campaign, but he's got some really huge offers. He got Alabama uh, just a few weeks ago. Texas A&M offered him following a camp appearance. I believe he's up to four Power 5 offers, and Penn State presented the fourth on Friday night. 
Got a chance to catch up with him. I think he took a lot away and and sticking with the cow theme. He said the one regret was he didn't get to the creamery, but he said next time that'll happen. Uh, Braden Davis is a guy who looks like he's going to be among the very best uh, in terms of rankings when those come out for 2022. But So it's big for Penn State to get him on campus at this point before he ends up being a 20-offer guy and you can get him on your campus next summer. Maybe this results in, in another trip to campus during the season if his schedule will allow it. But this was trip number two. He is the son of, of uh, Antoine Davis, who was a top 10 NFL draft pick out of Tennessee, uh, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. He's got an older brother who played at Tennessee Chattanooga. So this is a football family kid. Um, and at the quarterback position, uh, I haven't seen a lot of 22-22 guys yet, but I can't imagine there's many that look as good as Braden Davis does at this stage of his career. Yeah, Braden Davis uh, looked a lot better than a lot of the 2021 and 2020 guys that we've seen in camp uh, this this year. I mean, this kid, obviously, he's advanced. You can tell he's got some sort of uh, you know quarterback coach or a guy that's been working with him because he's just he's got it. And in addition to having it, and you see this with so many of these younger guys that get offers like that. That, you know they, they offer on potential and then they stop growing or something like that. Well, this kid's got size already. He's got a big arm already. So I, I loved what I saw from Braden Davis. I mean, really wasn't hard to pick him out of a crowd. I mean, which is, you know, some of these younger guys. And you think about uh, even going back to, we'll stay in Delaware. You go Kyle back to McCord Davis Hill. Even. I mean, yeah. he looked like a kid, right? I mean, even though you're offering him, he looks like a kid. Yeah, and and this guy, he threw it around with everybody else and better than everybody else and did a great job. So interested to see what his tape brings this year, but Penn State had to offer him, had to get in on that one. Of course, Alabama's gotten in, a couple of others gotten in, and this could be you know another top 50, top 75 guy before all set all is said and done in the 2022 class. Just tremendously impressed with what we saw from Braden Davis the other night. And this is the fourth rising high school sophomore to pick up a Penn State scholarship offer. Ricky Ronnie went down to Georgia, found a couple of targets uh, late spring, early summer. Uh, Ty Simpson out of Tennessee was the first target on the board. But uh, considering the, the the proximity here, this one feels a little bit different. It looks a little bit more legitimate long-term, not saying that Penn State can't go down into other regions and get quarterbacks. But uh, it's nice to have this kid within striking distance for you uh, as you move forward. And he's going to have a, a lot of offers and a lot to consider if his trajectory maintains. Another offer coming out of the weekend, Sean, uh, out of Connecticut, this one, uh, Keyshawn Bennett, uh, a guy who's, you know, came to campus, as he told me, with plans to uh, get an offer. He said he wasn't going back to Connecticut without an offer, and he knew that meant, you know, going full throttle for Sean Spencer. He did that. He felt like he did that. And he ended up, him and his mentor and Marquise Wilson, who's out of the same area, uh, has trained with some of the same people out of Connecticut, who's now a freshman cornerback for Penn State. They all walked down together, met with Franklin, met with Sean Spencer in Franklin's office. He leaves with an offer. And I think he leaves feeling very good about the Penn State Nittany Lions specifically. And we've talked about it before. Sean Spencer's uh, ability to recruit these players out of New England. This is a defensive end, an edge rusher. I know a lot of people said, He's 205 pounds right now, uh, you know. And the retort there was: you brought up Adiza Isaac, who this time last year was probably not much, not much heavier. And then Shaka Tony, who showed up to campus at about 210 pounds or so out of Philadelphia, uh, now in line to be your starting defensive end on his fourth year on campus. So uh, I wouldn't worry about the size. I do think this is a really interesting player who who's going to get a lot of looks, I'd imagine, as an edge rusher. Maybe some teams even see him as a standout, a stand-up guy. I'm sure some teams do. Uh, but Spencer saw enough. Franklin saw enough and he's a 2021 kid uh, who goes back to Connecticut with that offer with his frame with his growth potential you've got a guy that's six three and a half six four uh, you know he's 205 pounds right now that doesn't really matter I mean Adisa Isaac was 210 this time last year and he was going into his senior year so I mean it, it, you're kind of you're I think you're kind of over 
a, a hyping how big some of these guys come in. This kid will be 225, 230 pounds by the time he gets to college, at least. Um, so he's going to add to that frame. Got really long arms. Kind of got like a Sharif Miller type build to him. Maybe not quite as tall as Sharif, but he still could get there because he's still growing. But uh, like what we saw out of Bennett, he's got some quick twitch to him. Uh, he's got great uh, short area quickness, ran a really good shuttle for the staff, and they like what they saw. And again, Penn State's been really good in Connecticut. Got Marquise Wilson and Tyler Rudolph out of the same you know sort of training program last year in the, the, the Supreme Athlete training program. So they've done a nice job up there. Of course, Sean Spencer you know, spent a lot of time in Connecticut being from uh, up there. So, I mean, you, you got to think Penn State's in a, in a good spot moving forward, and he's going to continue to build offers, and we'll see where he's at in a couple of months. Quarterback Will Levis also out of Connecticut. Different area of the state, but but nonetheless in the 2018 class out of Connecticut. Now going from Keyshawn Bennett to Bennett Pitcher. Now this guy is a huge, huge prospect uh, physically, Bennett Pitcher. Tight end, offensive tackle, what could he be? Field goal blocker, I don't know what you'd make this guy down the line, but Bennett Pitcher visits on Friday, leaves with an offer, Sean, and, and an intriguing prospect to say the least when you look at those measurables. Intriguing is kind of selling him short because, I mean, he's he's listed at 6'9", he's not quite 6'9", but still, I mean, he's listed as a tight end at 275, I think it is. He's not going to be a tight end. I mean, I, I no, no, no offense to the kid. But at that size, you're talking left tackle money over tight end money, and that's the way you're going to go. And that's the way any coach really that's going to try and develop you is going to go that way. So uh, sorry if he had his heart set on tight end. Maybe he'll catch a a tackle-eligible pass down the road or something like that. But this kid, just freaking huge. He can move. I believe he came in at uh, number 247 in our top uh, top 24-7. Uh, which came out on Tuesday afternoon. So uh, that offer list is going to continue to grow. People are going to come continue to see him, see how he can move and do things. I think he's going to play tight end again this year, but still I think he's an offensive tackle in the long term. So had a couple of nice visitors in on the uh, uh, over the weekend. Of course, uh, walk-on punter uh, Taylor Gotti, I believe is how you say his name. Um, out Goaty. of Norfolk. I actually Goaty. checked on that one for the podcast. I should have oh, said I it first. Yeah, Goaty. Yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> hung me out to dry there. Um, but no, he's going to walk on to Penn State with the hope of uh, of landing a scholarship offer eventually. And I think it's really interesting. We'll talk about uh, Goaty here in a second, but it's really interesting the way that Penn State and, and Joe Lorick have approached this because we had been very confident that they were going to bring in a punter on scholarship. They had the scholarship, or excuse me, they had the uh, the camp in early June where they kind of put a scholarship on the line and nobody really stepped up and, you know, fulfill what they were looking for. Of course, they brought in Jordan Stout, who can punt as well, and we'll see what happens there. But they just didn't find that punter, that high school punter. So they've they've gone a couple different ways, brought in Bradley King from Lackawanna. He's going to, you know, he's been on campus since January and Taylor Goaty's going to come in and compete right away. So Blake Gilligan, of course, in no danger of losing the job, but you're stockpiling legs. There's going to be a lot of specialists on the roster this year. You're stockpiling legs, see what you can get. And with that, uh, with the rule changes, and it's not going to change a ton, but with the rule changes, you're going to bring in guys that were walk-ons other places. They can come in right away. Heck, all of a sudden, this kid from Norfolk State, who was a second team, I think, all MEAC punter last year, maybe he's got a leg that he can average 43, 44 yards, and all of a sudden you've got yourself a punter. So uh, really interesting how they've gone about this because it really wasn't how they drew it up, but they've added a lot of legs and a lot of uh, leg talent to that room in the last couple of months. Goaty last year, uh, second team, like you said, he was uh, also set a record for punt average uh, for the program there at Norfolk State, so 42.1 average, and he's a guy who, as a high school player, was an all-region track sprinter, so he's an athlete, He's an a- it's always nice to add athletes to your roster, regardless of position, but I think it's great because why wait until Blake Gillikin's gone 
to com- to have a competition for Blake Gillikin's job in 2020. Right now, you're going to have all these guys who know that a scholarship is is available potentially for them to earn. You know, Stout has the scholarship, and and, and we know he's going to factor into the punt uh, situation. But I think ideally, you'd want to avoid spreading a guy too thin. If you can find a viable option in each role, you'd love to go with that. And and here you bring in someone who's interesting. I think Bradley King out of Lackawanna is interesting as well. And uh, yeah, another move that shows you that that Joe Lorig, you know, and 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 Penn State's approach at special teams. They're trying to, to really, you know, go three deep at these positions where you look at where they were 2018 in spring camp. The only kicker they had on campus was Carson Landis. You had Blake Gillikin doing some kicking. I don't think they ever want to run into a situation like that again. I think they want to be in a spot where there's always competition, even if you have a guy who is as solidified as a starter as Blake Gillikin, that there is competition going on behind that because you're not going to distribute a bunch of scholarships across your specialist room. Very rarely will you see uh, two scholarship players at the same position on a college roster, and, and you know that's kind of the way Penn State has been doing this. They've got a scholarship guy that we think is going to be handling kickoff duties for them, and Stout, they got Jake Pinniger, who's on scholarship. Uh, you're a Turner field goal and p- extra point guy. And they've got Blake Gillikin, of course. So I think those punters coming in, a few of them, well, all of them are limited in terms of eligibility, whether it's two years left or three years left. I think it's a great thing to have in your special teams room. I think I'll, I think King and Goaty both have redshirt years available, too. So Gillikin's going to punt this year, and, and then maybe they compete for it next year. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. And I think the, the, the kicking jobs are still open as well. I think Stout's going to push Pinnaker for that field goal spot as well. So you've got a lot more competition, a lot more athletes in there, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to help everybody, I believe. Absolutely. So turning away from, from the camp and, and the, where offers were earned and a walk-on spot was secured, uh, we get over to the Lash Bash, which uh, Saturday, great weather. Couldn't ask for much better weather here in Happy Valley, especially with guys uh, coming from outside the region. Um, and, of course, with the Lash Bash, this, the main priority here is they don't want it to seem like a football sales pitch. They want it to seem like kind of a, a family atmosphere, relaxed atmosphere, where parents can feel like they can see their kid going there and they can see themselves visiting and spending time with the coaching staff and spending time with the other other parents. And, and it's really about the camaraderie at an event like this. But of course, it is about the offers too from a recruiting perspective. And Nate Bruce, who, who we spoke with on a Thursday last week, had a story up before his visit out of Harrisburg, a player who was at the Big Man Challenge this in June, opened a lot of eyes there, impressed Matt Limegrover. He was really hoping for an offer. He, he stays in touch, as I said in the last podcast, with guys like Micah Parsons, Damian Barber, out of the same high school. And didn't take him long. I mean, I think it was by 10, 11 in the morning, he had a picture up of him in Franklin's office with that offer. We've both got crystal balls in there for Nate Bruce. Uh, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying anything's imminent, but sure seems like a great start for Penn State offering this young man. I believe he's considered a top 25 guard prospect in the 24-7 sports 2021 rankings. Yeah, you you had your crystal ball in by 11 or 12, I think, because you got that thing in real quick. Um, <laughs> but it's not a surprise. I mean, he's a Harrisburg kid. He's been on campus a bunch. He's worked to to earn that offer. He was on our uh, all-camp team in June. Came back uh, twice, I believe, to work with Matt Limegrover. Um, so you know, he's a guy that kind of, once again, you go back to logic. He's a Harrisburg guy. There's Harrisburg presence on the team. He's been up here a bunch. Uh, you really like what he's seen. You look at his offer list. He's got a top three of Penn State, Virginia Tech, and Rutgers. No offense, Tyler, but I think he can. Pick, we can pick where he's going to go out of those three. So uh, for Nate Bruce to get it, I think it's uh, you know it's a good thing. It's it's also a good thing for him because he can work on that physique. I, he's about three twenty right now, so he's got to work on that a little bit. I see him as a guard. Maybe could play tackle, but I see him as a guard right now. But Penn State, this is a guy they've they've been they've been watching all summer. They kind of like what they've seen, and they moved on him. 
Uh, also moved on Jaden Gold, the, the, the 22 cornerback from Bergen Catholic. That was a pleasant surprise. You had Bergen Catholic show up with uh, Jaden Gold, Taiwan Malone coming back from Notre Dame and Michigan, obviously Penn State on the way back to, to North Jersey. So a couple of surprise visitors, a new offer there. Late additions to the list. Uh, Anai White's a very, very good player from, from Imhotep Charter. Imhotep had three guys up the other day, including Shafiq Smith, who has an offer in the 2021 class. Um, so just a a little bit of a late boost to these things. And, and going back to Friday, uh, the Friday visitors, you add those to the Lash Bash visitor list, it looks pretty good. It does. It, it's it's a nice collection of, of, of sophomores, juniors, and of course the seniors that you need to focus on. But we're talking about a class where even if they do go 30, you've got maybe 10 scholarship more scholarship offers to play with. they got a lot of work to do still in the 2021 class. I'm not saying that they're incredibly behind the pace of everybody else or anything, but right now, the guy you've got in this class is Dante Thornton at wide receiver, one of the top 10 wide receivers in the country per 24-7 sports rankings. He was with the Oregon Ducks this past weekend, so I think it was important, uh, obviously, for them to, to continue to build relationships with the sophomore class and, and continue to set up schedules where these guys are going to get back for, for games in Beaver Stadium. For a lot of these sophomores, it'll be their first time to campus for a game day. So you want to start charting that course a little bit. Um, Sean, additionally, the Canadian came through. Uh Malik Mega, did I say it right? You did. You should know that. You're on the Canadian beat for us. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Jesse Lucetta, uh, personal beat reporter for him, I felt like back in the day. But he's at it. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, a track record with Jesse Lucetta, Daniel Joseph, Jonathan Sutherland, all out of Canada. Um, and, and of course, now Malik Mega is a guy who has tremendous speed. I, I believe it's a 4-4-2 laser time uh, that Steve Wolfong wrote in his, in his story yesterday after talking to Mega. And he's somebody that we've said at wide receiver, where, where are you right now? You've got one Lackawanna college guy, so you got to put him in a different spot. Then you've got two high school receivers on board right now. Both of them jumped on board in the summer. How many spots are there? You got Josh Downs, who's committed to North Carolina, but has shown a lot of interest. And you've got Andre Lambert, uh, who I think is maybe the best available player on their board and has shown a lot of interest in. And now here is a, a player who looked very comfortable on campus. He was pretty much tailing uh, KJ Hamler and, and, and Jared Parker and, you know, serving as kind of a, a camp counselor almost, it looked like, with those guys. Uh, like I said, he just he looked comfortable. He was smiling a lot. And, and based on what he told, he told Steve and based on his other offers at this stage, you know, I think Penn State's going to really be in control in this recruitment as long as they, they'd like to be, and, and I'm really curious as, to see how the numbers shape up at receiver. Well, they got him on campus, uh, obviously, before the season starts, so he's not going to be able to go anywhere. I think Penn State's on top here right now. I think they would take him right now. I mean, he came to camp. He ran a 4-5 for them. He ran a 4-4 down at Nike uh, in D.C., Look pretty impressive there. I mean, he's far from a finished product, obviously, but still, you've got uh, a guy that's got, I mean, he's close to 6'4", can run a four or five. I mean, there's not many of those guys running around. So I think they take a chance on him. I think Mega ends up, uh, you know, eventually at least having Penn State go to the end in, in his recruitment. We'll see what happens when he puts some more game tape together. Because this is a guy that hasn't been on uh, on the radar all that long. I mean, plays in a sort of a different area. Um, you know, you, he, he's in Montreal. A lot of, when you take a look at the, the prospects from Canada, a lot of them are Ottawa, some Toronto. But Montreal's kind of in, in its own boat out there. So, We'll see what happens with him moving forward, but positive momentum. You had him around uh, coaches all weekend. You had him around uh, potential teammates all weekend. So like where Penn State stands, not even the best Canadian in town, though, this weekend. And he's, <laughs> nope, not, nope. He's, he's not the best Canadian on the board. Theo Johnson made it back. That's big for Penn State. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I have to uh, tell anybody that's listening how, how high Theo Johnson is on the board. This is a guy that Penn State's been tremendously high on since they offered him last summer. 
Um, he's been on campus a bunch twice this spring. Finally get him back. I mean, he took a fi- an official visit to Iowa. He took some some visits to uh, Michigan. He went down to Georgia a couple of times. So to get him back on campus just before the break, uh, it's a big visit. I mean, it's a it, it's certainly one of those ones that that turns your head when you're talking about these national battles. And I think it is those four schools with Iowa, Michigan, and Georgia and Penn State. And I think Penn State got some momentum back. And I'm actually not sure how much they lost over that period, but they got some momentum back. Very comfortable with the staff. Very comfortable with Tyler Bowen and and, and the uh, the players there. And he's going to be back for an official visit before he decides. I think those officials will be big. Like I said, he's already used his to to Iowa, so he'll get out. He might get out to Iowa for an unofficial, but he's also got official visits remaining to Georgia when they play Notre Dame. He'll go see Michigan, then he'll go back for the whiteout game when Michigan comes to Penn State. So. Theo Johnson, I think Penn State did a really good job this weekend of sort of, uh, you know, just getting back on track with him and and I think establishing themselves as probably the team to beat going down the stretch. While speaking with Penn State commits who were going to be on campus this past weekend, um, you know, Theo Johnson was the first name and, and the most frequent name that came up in terms of individual targets that they were excited to get around. They know that, that this guy has potential. Curtis Jacobs went up against him at the opening finals down in Texas and said uh, he's the kind of guy that you know is going to make you better, and he thinks that he can make Theo better because they'll be working off of each other a lot uh, like they did down in, in Texas. So I'm kind of rack my brain here about guys who stayed and played through their high school career in Canada and got this kind of attention. No one really comes to mind. I know that we've already determined he's literally like right across the river from Detroit. He can go to a Pistons game any evening he'd like uh, a short drive away. But that's random. But okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> he he is right there. He is he's he's right across the border. He's he's not in, in the Great White North. And I think, but he stayed there. And guys like Jesse Lucetta, Daniel Joseph, Jonathan Sullivan, those three exact. They transferred. Michael O'Connor, who who was a quarterback who signed with James Franklin's first class, he went down to IMG Academy. And the list goes on and on. We talk about Canadian players who have have time to take that route to get to Power 5 football. He didn't do that. I know he's at at an impressive school in Ontario and getting it done there. But I just think that's something that stands out about Theo Johnson, considered a top five tight end prospect in 24-7 sports rankings at this point. And a guy that, you know, outside of maybe a couple of running backs, um, can't think of of anyone who would be of greater importance unless a guy like Julian Fleming wants to circle back and join this class. So I think Theo Johnson's a big time player and Sean's laughing over there. Uh, but but uh, that's kind of my take on it. I had to bring in Julian. We had a, what, a, a nice six-week streak of not mentioning, mentioning Julian Fleming. I just snapped it. My bad, my bad. And the, the pitchforks are back out for you. Awesome. Um, but no, let's go back to something you said with running backs. That's a very interesting position right now. You had Jalen Berger on campus the, this weekend for the first time in a long time, but you've also got Kaziah Holmes, who was at Florida State over the weekend. You've got him announcing, I believe, at the end of next week. Kevon Lee is certainly still a very real possibility there. Berger's still out there. You know, you're still in touch with guys like Marshawn Lloyd. So we said it, and somebody pointed this out on the board. After, I think, Lloyd committed to South Carolina, we said, hey, Penn State's going to get a running back. Not sure who it is. Penn State's going to get a running back, or Chris Tyree, excuse me. It was Chris Tyree committed to Notre Dame. We said Penn State's going to be a running back. Not sure where it's going to be. The kid's going to be good. I mean, that's just how it is. And you've seen what Jaywan Sider has been able to do. Uh, I think they get Holmes. I think they're in a very good spot for Lee as well. That'll be an interesting one for, with him down in Florida. And Berger, I mean, you're right back in the mix with him. So 
three top 150 backs, I think it is. And, and all of a sudden you're sitting pretty at running back. So you think about all the momentum that they lost over the summer at, at some spots. Well, they might be coming back around. You've got Theo Johnson. You've got uh, uh, Berger back in town. I think running back's going to maybe take care of itself in the next couple of months. And although Berger doesn't plan on announcing until January. But, I mean, you've got an opportunity to get some of your top targets on board. And then you can focus on some other positions to, to sort of put a bow on the class. Really good running backs want to play at Penn State right now, and, and Jaywan Slater only you know enhances I think the appeal for them. Obviously, you can point to Saquon Barkley, and and now Miles Sanders as hey, there's the payday that that you can get by by producing at Penn State, and we'll give you the opportunity to produce. But you know it's very important that they find guys who are going to wrap their arms around competition. They can't take on guys. And, and Jaywan Slater's talked about this. They know what they're looking from a mentality standpoint. But there's running backs out there that say. Unless I'm going to be uh, the number one option my first year, and I and I you know, and sometimes you can look at the depth chart, maybe see that can be the case for yourself. I'm not interested in going and battling and, and waiting two or three years. You know, Najee Harris was the number one running back in the country. I think maybe the number one player in the country a couple years ago, and he's been a secondary, sometimes a third option for Alabama. Now he's getting his chance to break out. Penn State's getting in a situation where. You know, it, it, it pays off to wait in the wings a little bit with them because when you when your chance to shine comes, you could succeed. And we don't know what it's going to stack up this year. You know, I have been on record and saying I don't think it's going to be the kind of one man band that we saw from Miles Sanders at times last year, and certainly with Saquon Barkley. And I think if Penn State does show that they can implement two, three running backs in different ways, whether it be as pass catchers, uh, you know, guys who can who can do different things on the ground. Um, I think that only extends your reach on the recruiting trail to say, hey, look, we can make it work with a couple of you guys on the field at the same time. It's not going to be a one-man show. Come here, earn your reps, and you'll get on the field. And, and these names you're throwing up there, I mean, a couple more Florida guys, and we're talking about if they were to bring in Lee and Holmes, you're bringing in three of the top, uh, running back prospects out of the state of Florida in, in a span of, of, of 12 months. And, and there's something to be said for that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And by the way, I went down the rabbit hole of guys that stayed in Canada. Not sure why you would mention that because you knew <laughs> I would look it up. But Neville Gallimore went to Oklahoma. Uh, Eli Anku uh, went to UCLA, had a really good career in the, in the NFL now. A couple of guys that Penn State was kind of on the fringe with, never really in it with those guys. But uh, thanks for sending me down that. And, and I la- lost my place on the rundown. So I think I'll come back in with Zariah Sean, Fisher. Sean, Zariah Fisher. Yeah, there we go. He's committing. How about that? Zariah Fisher, <laughs> August 5th. He's going to announce, believe Penn State and Michigan State are the two. Pitt might be in there as well. He took an official visit to Michigan State this spring or summer, uh, sort of on that line, I think. Maybe it was early June. But uh, Zariah Fisher got back to campus. He's a linebacker. I think he's going to be a D-end in the long term, but he's a high school linebacker. He's a big guy that can run, can really do a lot of things well. You put on the tape, and he's a pretty good player. So we have him uh, as a mid-three-star in 24-7 sports. I think he's, uh, you know, in terms of being a football player, he's he's pretty well up there. Physically, not really sure what he's going to be. Like I said, linebacker, defensive end, kind of a tweener, but he can grow into that. He's about 6'3", 6'3 245 pounds right now. So uh, I think he's a DN. I think he's a good player, and I think he'd be a good addition to Penn State. We're going to keep digging on this one, see what we kind of find out. But Penn State, Michigan State looks like the battle right now. Penn State offers that have not been prevalent out in, in WPIAL territory, 
But this is a guy that you know he helped his team get a WPIL championship last year, get a state championship. He was a main factor. I think he does project as an edge rusher at the next level. I'm certain that that he's also gotten a lot of interest in, in stand up roles. And and he has you know he's been on the record with Brian Donan saying one thing that stands out about Penn State is that they are you know had that linebacker you uh, reputation about them. So you know we'll see what what avenues he takes to the field. But I, I do think this is a guy that that is kind of tailor made for bumping him up and and. and and setting the edge. So uh, we'll see where it goes. He's the second guy, I would say, outside of Theo Johnson, whose name came up most, Sean, speaking with the guys who were already in this class. Nick Dawkins made a pretty succinct point. He said, you want the best in-state talent to stay in-state. And he didn't mean Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. This Pennsylvania class that we've been looking at for so long, uh, they've got three of the top seven guys right now. And then the top-ranked one, Tyler Elsden, who saw this coming, number number three in the in the state, I believe now, number four maybe in twenty four seven sports Pennsylvania rankings. But they got three of the top seven guys. There's a name up there that I've already mentioned on the show. I won't mention again that they did not get. Uh, but but here's another top ten prospect in Pennsylvania, and, and all of a sudden a twenty twenty recruiting class that started off extremely slow for Penn State uh, on the home front. We're starting to see pick up some steam. Guys like Fatoma Mulba, um, you know, some of these guys that I think could prove to be um, under the radar right now, and then two three years down the line, you're wondering how did they not have twenty offers from all over the country? Mulba's a guy that I like. I, I know you're a Jersey guy, so you don't really get the um uh, get the history here, but at Aliquippa, Penn State has not signed a player out of Aliquippa since Marcus Henderson, I believe in 1984, which was the year I was born. It's 80, 84 or 85, so it's been 35 or 34, 35 years since they've signed someone from that school. So that's pretty remarkable when you think about uh, Zariah Fisher could be the first since Marcus Henderson back in the day. Um, so that's that's just kind of mind-blowing there. But uh, Moving on, underclassmen there, we, we we went down the list pretty well at the end of last week. Tyleek Williams and Sean Murphy, two teammates from Virginia that Tyler talked to um, before the uh, you know before the weekend. And of course, can't understate, understate getting guys back on campus. Thirteen of them made it back the commit the current commits, including R.J. Adams. R.J. Adams is a big one. Checked out some SEC schools, uh, impressed from what we hear on some of those campuses. So to get him back. Uh, you know, not just on the field and not just with the coaches, but at the dinner table with his future teammates. That's a big one for them. Uh, you know, this offensive line class has kind of rebounded nicely. It looks like it could add some more talent after, you know, some shaky times here early in the summer. So we're going to dig into the lash bash and, and kind of the, the long-term ramifications, how it may have impacted some players individually with uh, National Recruiting Director of 24-7 Sports, Steve Wiltfong. But first, a quick commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Sean Fitz. I'm with Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports. Steve, always generous with his time. Just got off a red-eye flight. Thanks for joining us, Steve. I hope you enjoyed the West Coast. Fitzy, my man. It was hot, but as they say, no humidity. Something Penn State fans probably not going to want to hear. You happened to run into a Penn State commit out while you were at Oregon this weekend. Dante Thornton made the trip, as well as Caleb Williams. A couple of uh, familiar names out there. Yeah, there was a DMV presence out there as Oregon's one of the many schools recruiting nationally. You see Penn State taking more of a national approach right now, going into Florida and places like that. Um, these are young men that Oregon got out to campus. And w- with Thornton, I think that you had, I mean, you had mentioned to me first that uh, he, he may not be solid in his pledge, and it looked like he certainly had a good time at Oregon. I don't know what's going to be next for him. Uh, but these visits aren't just for the experience. I think that he's definitely digesting uh, these trips and, and seeing what uh, seeing what's what. Yeah, definitely have to agree with you. I mean, he's, he's two years out from signing, basically, and he's going to check out his options. Uh, not sure that he, he, he jumped on it too early or anything like that, but it, it certainly seems, based on his actions, that he wants to look into all of his options. Now, you went to the West Coast, you did your thing, you came back on Monday and brought back with you the haymakers of your Lash Bash updates. Penn State obviously had a uh, busy weekend on the trail as well. Um, what are you hearing out there from Penn State? Oh, man, well, I think, first of all, Jalen Berger. I, I think that he is a guy that could legitimately end up at Penn State. Um, Penn State's running back recruiting is very healthy right now. Devin Ford and Noah Kane in the boat, boat last year. Um, in a good spot for Keziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, and, and Jalen Berger uh, um, in this cycle. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they end up battling the Buckeyes for Jalen Berger. Malik Mega had a fantastic time, the extremely athletic receiver um, from Canada. When you look at the other schools that he's considering, Penn State typically wins those recruiting battles. When I got off my flight this morning, I saw you logged a crystal ball forecast. In favor of the Nittany Lions for Ibrahim Treor, he's a guy that I think he's moving up a lot of colleges' boards right now. Um, he's a guy that's kind of a hot name behind the scenes. So the buzz on him is strong, and it sounds like that would be a good pickup for Penn State. Theo Johnson, obviously, he's a guy that said multiple times, and your board's very familiar with this, that he wasn't going to take a visit because he didn't want to let anyone down, and then ultimately... Uh, decides to visit Penn State, obviously has a great experience. They're going to get him back to campus again. There's not a school he's been to more. There's not a staff that's been recruiting him longer. I think he's intrigued by the other schools that are finalists as well, or he would already be committed to Penn State. But sounds promising for the Nittany Lions um, coming out of that visit. And then obviously the commit's getting back. You know, I talked to several of them, and, and Lash Bash really is one of the cool recruiting events nationally, and it really uh, is amplified because James Franklin and the staff thrive in that kind of environment. It's not some of these guys; they're not some of these college coaches are not that outgoing, and recruiting is fake to them, or it's not that interesting to them. Where I think that when you look up and down this Penn State staff, they genuinely enjoy recruiting these top prospects on their board and getting to know them and getting to know their families. And, and obviously they want them to come to Penn State. I mean, there's, there's a means to the end, but I think that the relationships are genuine within that. And, and the kids had a great time on campus. I, I need to get my ass to Penn State, Sean, and I need to try this Berkey Creamery. I've been hearing about it for years, for years, and 
I know uh, it was a, uh, it was something that was uh, part of the last bash this weekend with the scavenger hunt on campus and good food and, and good bonding. All the young kids on campus enjoyed it. And Penn State's going to be in some wars for some of those kids to getting them on the campus early and, and getting to know their them and their families. Um, it, it seems like it was a successful last bash all in all. And they'll land some of these kids at some point, um, 2020, 2021, and 2022. I would think that uh, they, they, they will get some of these kids in the boat. Hey, man, you got a place to stay here anytime that you want. And you've keep, if you keep bringing the juice like you did on Monday, I'm sure a lot of other uh, fans on our board will let you stay with them as well. But uh, getting back to something you said, I think running back recruiting is very interesting. And Tyler and I talked about this earlier on the show. It just seemed like a matter of time until Penn State got someone. You weren't quite sure who it was. And then all of a sudden, Keziah Holmes comes onto the, the board. Uh, Kevon Lee takes an official visit, loves it. And Jalen Burgers comes back around seemingly. What is it about the, the Penn State's recruiting approach right now at running back that, that that seemingly kind of has turned into like an assembly line more than anything? Well, the last two starters have, have been drafted, and, and and obviously one of them, Saquon Barkley, uh, former number one running back, Miles Sanders, a uh, one year uh, starting gets drafted. There's a lot of unknown at the position moving forward. I think that there's some talented guys. Yeah, but, but but Ricky Slade, I know his skill set. He's a guy that could really break out. I, I think that uh, Noah Kane and Devin Ford have impressed. Um, they have the in-state speedster, obviously, uh, on the roster, too. Uh, but the, with it being unproven, uh, with the depth chart being unproven, but with the development being proven, I think it's very exciting for Kevon Lee and, and Keziah Holmes and We've had Keziah Holmes, you and I have had him, Crystal Ball, for, for a while now. And, and, and then some would have to change and keep on Lee's recruitment right now uh, for Penn State not to land him, in my opinion, which certainly could happen. I mean, we all have seen twists and turns uh, covering it, following it. Uh, but I'm pretty positive Penn State leads for Kevon Lee as I talk to you guys right now at 317 in the afternoon. Um, and then Jalen Berger, they're just – they would never turn down Jalen Berger. I mean, first of all, he's a good player. Second of all, he plays at Don Bosco Prep in a, in a, ter- in a region that's very important to, to Penn State. Uh, he's going to announce his college decision at the All-America Bowl, but I expect him to be a silent commit somewhere uh, before that. Um, and and uh, I, I like Penn State's position. Now, Ohio State, you got to keep an eye on that because they go from you think they're going to land these two blue chippers and B. John Robinson and Jalen Knight until all of a sudden they're back at the drawing board. And, and I would think that Jalen Berger's a guy that they would key in on. So we'll see what happens there moving forward. Yeah, it's crazy times, crazy times. But, Steve, I'm going to let you get back to uh, to recovering from that red eye. We appreciate all the time that you give us all the time and, and, and the scoop that you can drop. You can, of course, follow uh, 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting Steve Wiltfong on Twitter at swiltfong247. And, Steve, we can't, can't wait to have you back on. I appreciate it, guys. And don't uh, hold me accountable for forgetting Ricky Slade's name, forgetting Miles Sanders' name. I know who all those guys are. We're going to find out what, could, uh, what kind of editor I am here give coming me up. A pa- give me a pass here. And uh, uh, appreciate it, Sean. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Well, when Steve Wilfong talks, we listen, you listen, everybody listens. He's always on point for us at 24-7 Sports. That's going to wrap up another edition of the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I'm Sean Fitz for Tyler Donahue. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, the old iTunes, whatever it may be. Of course, check us out online at Lions 24-7. 
Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with you uh, next time. Not sure when that's going to be, but Penn State begins practice on Friday, media days on Saturday. So we're going to have coverage for you, you know, all the way up through August. So thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast, and we'll see you next time.